Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Shivaglani, and today on Raise the Line, I'm happy to be joined by Chip Pausek, who's the co-founder and CEO of 2U, a leading publicly traded education tech company that works with over 70 universities to offer online degrees, certificates, and boot camps that to date has served more than 225,000 students. Prior to 2U, Chip served as CEO of Hooked on Phonics, and he's been named among America's best chief executives by Institutional Investor Magazine. So Chip, thanks so much for being with us today. Thrilled to be here, Chip. You've had some really impressive educational brands under your belt. I'm curious, can you tell us in your own words how um, you got started with 2U? It's been 12 years. Uh, I co-founded the company with a small team of incredible people that really at the time believed that the world was ready for high quality online education. And most of what was being done, even though the technology was good, we really didn't think was very high quality. And so the whole idea was to work with great universities if we could convince the school to really get behind something to offer an online degree. Now the company has evolved substantially over the last 12 years. And I think, as you mentioned in the intro, we now offer short courses and boot camps and undergraduate degrees, things we didn't offer in the early days, but it was really all about driving high quality online ed and eliminating the back row in higher education, which was our mission. We felt like from an access standpoint, you could really drive uh, incredible options for students and something that was a sustainable engine of social mobility, but getting it off the ground was really tricky. 2008 was a very difficult time to launch a company. And, you know, as everybody knows, the economy was pretty rough and, you know, we were really focused on it and just, uh, you know, wouldn't take no. And we're fortunate enough to, to get enough things right uh, that, that we gradually built the company. And it's been, you know, an incredible experience, uh, you know, more ups than downs, uh, but running a company for 12 years and sort of IPOing it six years ago, uh, very proud of what we're delivering for students. Yeah, I mean, you should be. And, uh, you know, you mentioned that you started the company in the depths of the last financial crisis. I'm just curious, how, how has COVID affected to you uh, and the subsidiary brands so far? You know, I would say um, it's been an insane three months. Never seen anything quite like it. Now, related to my first topic about 2008 to today, What's interesting about to you is we started in a very, very, very rough economy and saw that economy gradually get a little bit better each year, but in a way that was difficult to detect in terms of the impact on the company. Most people believe that higher education is countercyclical, and there's many studies that show this, and we've always believed it as well, but we really never had any evidence because the economy from 2008 until 2020 kept getting better and better over time. And obviously, we hit this this period with uh, the COVID impact, and uh, we can officially now say we are countercyclical. We are definitely seeing an uptick of demand from students, and then uh, on the side of COVID itself, an uptick in demand from universities. So, you know, we are doing our best to handle the the volume and doing our best to most importantly support our partners. Some immediate impacts like needing to move all of our boot camps online. That's now turned into a permanent change that's gone so well. Uh, we, we will definitely keep our boot camps online. And then things like our short course market, uh, the short courses, which are you know six to eight week courses that allow you to stand out from the crowd with a learn a great skill, a lighter lift than taking a full degree. Uh, those have been doing incredibly well during the stay at home pandemic. So th- th- there have been a bunch of different impacts from COVID. I'm 
uh, anxious to get into the fall and support our partners uh, here for the fall semester, uh, I would say, uh, you know, spoken to more provosts and presidents over the last three months than I had probably in our entire 12 years. It's been an extraordinary period for the company. Obviously, they're all adjusting to having their schools closed and trying to flip their classrooms into the virtual model that you all are so famous for as well, uh, with like the yeah. online MBA that, that you yourself took. When it comes down to lasting effects of the pandemic, you know, you fast forward three to five years, what do you think the future of higher education will look like? You know, we, we like to think uh, even before COVID, you know, the story isn't going online anymore. So back in the day when we launched the company, that was controversial. It was um, people weren't doing it. The elite schools de definitely weren't doing anything online. And, you know, we've seen sort of the rise and fall of for-profit education. We've seen the rise and fall of the MOOCs uh, and, and really believed uh, that the world was ready for online degrees. Well, we were right about that. We, we kind of nailed that, to be honest. And so high quality online graduate education we got very good at over time. I would say today uh, and into the future, it's all about being blended and connected. It's not about going online anymore. Uh, it's, it's very obvious you should be online. And I think it's also very obvious that offering uh, a Zoom room, we love Zoom, they're an incredible partner, but only offering live and sort of forcing all the faculty to go there is not going to create a high quality experience. You need to do more than that. You need to integrate your live Zoom with high quality content, flip the classroom, really engage the student more holistically, not just in the um, curriculum, but in what it means to become a student at that particular university. So we do feel like all of these different lessons over the years have really prepared us well for what is happening today. You know, higher education has to be high quality. It has to be blended and connected. There should be a full hybridization of online ed and also has to be relevant. So you have, you have to be teaching topics that will really drive long-term student value. You know, we like to think of it if the student wins, the university wins, and then we win. Uh, I know that's a whole thesis of to you, which is uh, part of why you have um, the the acquisitions you've made, basically being able to cover the curriculum across many different stages of learner. Can you talk a bit more about that, where you started with degree sure. programs and now you have short courses as well? So we call it the career cur curriculum continuum. So the notion of the career, the life of the student curriculum, the educational experience of that student over their lifetime and Continuum is effectively a product strategy or a strategy of sustainability for the university, starting with short courses and going all the way up to degrees um, with boot camps right in the middle. The reality is each individual student won't enter it at a particular at the same spot. So some people might have uh, graduated from high school and gone right into a technology boot camp and eventually might want to get their degree. Uh, some people might start like I did with an undergraduate degree and then eventually get a master's and take short courses along the way because you might need to learn AI or learn diversity, which you know right now has become you know, even more important. So we think that meeting the student, meeting the needs of the student from an educational perspective and putting the great university at the center of that is something that we are uniquely positioned to do. We actually don't think globally, there are many companies like 2U that are positioned this way. So. We feel uh, pretty excited about what the future lies over the next uh, five years or so. We're also paying a lot of attention, obviously, to what the next five to 10 years will look like from a jobs perspective. Um, and I think you've seen the same job reports that we have, that 12 of the 20 fastest growing professions in the U.S. are in healthcare. And about right. a year ago, I met a professor named Jim Van Rie, who actually is the, the program director for your 
online PA program with Yale. Would love to hear more about 2U's uh, work to, as we say at Osmosis, raise the line, which is increasing healthcare capacity by training future healthcare professionals. Because I know you don't just have the PA sure. program, you have a few other types too. You know, when we talk about higher education needing to be relevant, when you think about the, the jobs and the need for both healthcare professionals, technology professionals, we feel like we're offering a whole different variety of programs that meet the critical needs of society by allowing a student to not just break into a new field, but a field that is under very high demand. So you take healthcare, uh, there's a shortage of over half a million nurses by 2030. Uh, the PA program overall, uh, not just our nursing programs, you know, my son tore his ACL twice in the same knee, unfortunately, and it was very complicated. And we spent a fair amount of time in the hospital. And I would tell you that uh, there's no doubt that uh, we dealt more with PAs than you deal with the doctors. So uh, incredibly important discipline, uh, rapidly growing, always predicted as one of the top 10 jobs of today. Great opportunity for an individual to change their life and really build long-term value and a great income, uh, but there's a huge shortage. And so how are you going to change that? And we were very fortunate to be able to convince Yale to go for it online. It was very controversial when we started. Uh, today, it's a lot less so. You know, we're 70 students or so uh, in each cohort. There are a couple hundred in that program overall, and they're doing great. Quality is very high. We just had our first graduation. Jim Van Ree has really trailblazed here. And we do think that online education will continue to penetrate all of these different aspects of higher education. We're excited to eventually offer our first MD and our first veterinary program. So it's not just about the sort of obvious disciplines. We do think we're going to end up playing in all the spaces that people think you can't do online. So the PA program and what you experienced in talking with Jim, you have uh, somebody there at Yale that has been a huge advocate for the company and for what we do. So it's been awesome. I also know you have a, a midwifery program with Georgetown and you just yes. recently launched a, a master's in nursing, I believe. Uh, do you mind talking a bit more about kind of the other programs that you've, you've all launched? Sure. So we have many different graduate programs that offer uh, clinical placements of some kind. And so something that we built is a clinical placement network that's about 50,000 strong, where you can put somebody in a clinic to do the, their local whether it be a clinical experience or a master teacher uh, for an education degree, anything that requires something hands-on for our social work programs, going to a clinic to deal with somebody that might have returned from the war with PTSD, like you can't do all of it online. You have to do some part of it. So the midwifery program at Georgetown, uh, one of the examples I like to use often is you wouldn't want to go to a midwife that delivered only a virtual baby. You want to actually be able to go to somebody that delivered the baby. So it's something uh, that we've done well and done well for some time now. Uh, we continue to expand more and more of those clinical programs because we think they're a great opportunity. 100%. I mean, what's your view on things like virtual reality or augmented reality in terms of bridging the gap between... It's funny yeah. you say that. We, do, we, we haven't done VR yet. Um, and I do think quite a bit of ER, in some ways, a, a bit more hype that maybe hasn't lived up to the hype. But we do think the application for... AR and VR over time is real. Uh, AR in particular, we're using in a variety of different ways in some of the programs like physical therapy or uh, PA, where you're actually using the online to actually effectively see what somebody might be not be able to see with their eyes. Um, but it's early days. And we do think that over time, as the cost of those technologies comes, in, comes down, we'll be able to do more and more. 
Switching gears a bit, I'm curious, um, you obviously are a U.S. company, you're traded on a U.S. exchange. Do you have much international presence in terms of either we university do. partners? Yeah, do you mind talking a bit about So we that? have quite a few university partners in the U.K. We have UCL, uh, the London School of Economics, uh, Oxford, Cambridge. And so incredible brand presence, and we do think resonance for the rest of the world. Very excited to launch our first uh, undergraduate program here in the fall with the London School of Economics and the University of London. Uh, many different great business degrees with one of the best business brands in the world at LSE. That's turned into a very substantial opportunity for the company. We also have a presence in Mexico with Monterey Tech, uh, one of the best brands in all of Mexico and uh, have an incredible presence in South Africa. So South Africa is where we have our second largest office, which right now obviously isn't open given COVID, but we have about 800 employees in Cape Town, South Africa. South Africa is a critical market for 2U and one of our biggest short course markets. So um, UCT is an excellent partner, University of Cape Town, a really world-class institution that we're proud to partner with. You will continue to see us do more in uh, different parts of the world, starting primarily with our short course business, but working on some exciting things that I can't talk about yet that are international. And we do think that, you know, it's a big world and high quality online education is needed everywhere. It's interesting in, in online higher ed, uh, with the exception of China, you know, you've got this really massive market and not that many large companies. So it's pretty rare to find a market that is as large as higher education and to find as few substantially sized companies going after that market. So we think it's a very big runway for the company. So actually, I grew up near Durban for a couple of years before oh, did you? Florida. Yeah, we don't have 800 employees in Cape Town. We have two, um, but I've, I've had the opportunity to go back down to South Africa to visit visit them. And, and also we work with the University of Cape Town on the medical medical school side. It is a lovely place. It is. Uh, I feel like Cape Town, you know, obviously every country has challenges and Cape Town has, you know, its fair share. But from a geography standpoint, it's almost like this strange combination of the mountains of the Rockies, the beaches of San Diego, and the wine country of Napa. You know, it's just a really amazing combination, but we're very proud of the team there and uh, producing some of the best short courses on the planet. So most of our short course production is done out of Cape Town. So switching gears back to COVID, since we're still a long way from being over this pandemic, um, you know, you mentioned how you think COVID is going to affect higher education, that landscape. What do you think are the lasting effects COVID will have on the healthcare system in case you have any, any opinions on that? I, I am not a medical professional. I would tell you that I do think um, I have confidence we will figure this out. Uh, it seems like we're in a bit uh, the fits and starts mode here where we figure it out for a little bit and then we might forget about it too much. And I'm worried, uh, indeed worried about a second wave. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that right now. But, uh, you know, I'm an optimist and I do believe that over time, we will figure it out. Now, I feel very lucky uh, to be running a company that can really impact positively the world. Like this is the moment for online ed. And, you know, we're doing everything we can to support our partners during this time and drive the right long-term outcome for them and therefore for us. You know, you said earlier, you know, we are a public company, but if we do right by students, universities, faculty, and our employees, everybody else will come along for the ride. Like, you know, the, the key is making sure that our team is in the best place possible and then helping students succeed. And if we do that, we'll be in pretty good shape. And, you know, so far uh, 
while this has been an incredibly complicated period, uh, 2U is doing very well. And for that, I feel very lucky. Yeah, it's definitely an enviable position for companies that, that do higher ed or online learning to be in. No doubt. We definitely see a lot of tailwinds because of that as well and the healthcare um, aspect. Um, you mentioned your two. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably should have said that I also think from a healthcare standpoint, uh, improving the overall quality of patient care around the world is something that we actually think we can really deliver uh, with higher quality online programs. What's interesting about our programs is people are in their local areas. When they graduate, they typically stay in their local area because they're taking an online program and we're putting them in a clinical in their in their neighborhood effectively. So we think we really can move the dial and have an impact here. So from my standpoint, that's hugely rewarding and also uh, important. You know, we're doing something that I think can really make a difference. And that is more than any other reason why our employees work at 2U. They are a very mission-oriented crew. I, I really like the hashtag that I've seen uh, a number of times, the no back row that you guys have used. And largely because when I was in med school, um, my co-founder and I sat in the back row working on osmosis because <laughs> the actual curriculum wasn't that engaging. Um, but I think the thesis behind no back row is that any everyone, when they go through a 2U program, feels like they're in the set, in the front, right in front of their professor and they're learning high quality. Is that the origin of the, the hashtag? So it came initially from students that were in the live. With the flipped classroom, you've had to do a bunch of work and then you go to class. And when you're in this live environment with 13 people or 15 people, it becomes very obvious if you did the work or not. So there was no place to hide. People felt like there was no back row. And that's where it came from. Eventually, it, I think it really did become a bit of a metaphor for the entire company, allowing people uh, to sort of fully embrace the opportunity, get out of that back row, allowing schools to fully embrace the opportunity to disrupt themselves effectively, to really jump into the internet. And, you know, it's sort of odd when we started the company that none of these great institutions were doing much online. So, you know, but it's risky if you're a brand that's been around for 250 years or in the case of Oxford, a thousand years, you know, doing something online uh, had its own risks. So we, we felt like that no back row metaphor is a good way to live. So you mentioned you have um, a rising sophomore and a recent graduate high school. What advice would you give them and the other early stage um, students um, and professionals, uh, since so many of our audience are, are also in the same shoes? You know, I guess I'd go a bit philosophical on you. Um, a long time ago, I met, met somebody that told me this story of the fact that he had kind of been a, a bit hard on everybody and then had a massive heart attack. And when he woke up, all he could do was count the ceiling tiles for a month. And he, he said to me, you know, don't wait till you count the ceiling tiles to really live life. And his whole philosophy was every day's a holiday, every meal's a feast. And I would say um, it's hard to process every day, but if you can figure out how to live a little bit more like that and not wait until you've had a heart attack. And in this time of COVID, I think it's become even more pressing and more relevant where, you know, we take it for granted. And so I tell my boys uh, to not just go for it, but to, to live it, to like live life. And uh, every day is a holiday and every meal is a feast if you approach it the right way. Now, it's difficult to do because you might be having a rough day or you might have a rough day at work. And, you know, life is hard sometimes. But if you, if you can try to process life through that lens, everybody around you is a little bit better. You're better. It's just a better way to be. So my kids, uh, my kids know that I, I had a, a moment when um, 
my son's graduation yearbook came and um, I get myself emotional here. If I talk about it too long, his senior graduation notebook, they do this one section where each high school senior gets to write something and with a couple of photos. And the only thing he wrote, he had a wonderful collage of a couple of photos, but the only thing he wrote was every day is a holiday, every meal is a feast. And I was like, okay, yes. He was listening. That's some great advice to end on and uh, definitely resonates during these difficult times. But Chip, thank, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Happy to be here, Shiv. You're doing some really amazing work to you. So really great to have you. And with that, I'm Shiv Ulani. Thanks to our audience for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line. We're all in this together. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast.